Welcome to a new episode of Finsight, the global financial institutions industry podcast. My name is Yingyi Liu and I'm a partner at Baker McKenzie Singapore office specializing in financial regulation and fintech. Sustainability and ESG are very much on everyone's minds at the current time as we come out of COVID-19 pandemic lockdown and look towards the COP26 UN Climate Conference later this year in Glasgow. In today's podcast, we are going to focus on the implications of the sustainability and ESG agendas on financial institutions themselves. What's going to be the impact on the sector and how should it adapt to prosper in the future? Joining us today are Jennifer Klass, a partner in the New York office who co-chairs the North American Financial Regulation and Enforcement Practice, and Ava Maria Siegel-Cabinet, a capital markets partner in our Vienna office who is admitted to practice in both Austria and New York. Ava Maria is Global Lead Sustainability Partner at Baker McKenzie for Financial Institutions. Thank you for joining us, Jen and Ava Maria. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Jen and uh, discuss this important topic. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to participate in this discussion. Um, and I do think that sustainability is a critical issue for our financial institution clients. Great. Thank you. To get started, can I ask you, Eva Maria, to explain a little bit about how we got to where we are today? That is the move to sustainability. We're all familiar with the 2015 Paris Agreement that seeks to limit global warming and achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Yes, of course. So um, the Paris Agreement specifically identifies finance as having a key role in mitigating the effects of global warming um, as large scale investments are needed to significantly cut emissions. So financial institutions really are at the heart of sustainability because the financial system is seen as a catalyst for change across the whole economy. And secondly, of course, financial institutions are not immune themselves from the effects of climate change as their prudential soundness and ability to meet long-term commitments could be jeopardized if the value of their capital is impacted. Um, it's actually worth noting here that the outlook on long-term risk has shifted significantly. A World Economic Forum uh, study from 2020 shows that in 2010, none of the top five long-term risks were environmental. Five years later, in 2015, one out of five was environmental, namely extreme weather. And by 2020, all of the top five long-term risks were environmental, namely extreme weather, climate action failure, natural disasters, biodiversity loss, and human-made environmental disasters. And uh, thirdly, as elsewhere in the economy, there's increasing commercial and competitive pressure on financial institutions from investors and those in positions of stewardship to favor green and sustainable investment and in doing so to adopt high standards of transparency. It's fair to say what was initially largely voluntary and sometimes no more than marketing has quickly become essential to win business and increasingly, uh, and particularly in, in Europe, is now becoming a legal and regulatory requirement. So financial institutions are generally ahead of other industry sectors in terms of being subject to detailed sustainability-related regulations. 
Thanks very much. And Jen, would you like to add anything to the question of how we got to where we are today with ESG taking off? Sure. Um, I'd simply point out that the COVID-19 pandemic is widely seen to have accelerated the focus on sustainability in that it demonstrated the very real impact that environmental factors can have on the global economy. I think many investors and financial institutions are concerned that the damage to the economy brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic could be repeated by global warming and climate change, and as a result, now place more value and more attention on addressing ESG-related risk. And Jen, perhaps just to stay with you, what's the crux of the issue for financial institutions when you think about sustainability? You know, broadly speaking, for financial institutions, sustainability represents both a risk and opportunity. From the commercial perspective, the increasing focus on sustainable finance and the opportunity associated with offering ESG-related investments, funds, and investment strategies is significant. The sheer volume of assets flowing into these types of investments represents a significant value and uh, business opportunity for financial institutions. On the flip side, the rapid growth in investor demand and the increasing number of ESG products and strategies, along with the lack of standardization around definitions and what actually constitutes E, S, and G factors, is leading to regulatory concern, which in turn leads to more regulation and enforcement activity for financial institutions. So Ava Maria, how do you see financial institutions being affected by ESG? Well, on the organizational side, the first impact concerns prudential requirements for banks and insurers. Um, And there are basically two types of risks from climate change. First, physical risks, such as natural catastrophes damaging property, or those that disrupt supply chains. Second, and that may seem ironic, but risks arising from the transition to a lower carbon economy when carbon-intensive financial assets are revalued. This means climate change poses significant risks to prudential soundness or balance sheets, and regulators are increasingly focusing on these issues as part of their prudential supervision and, of course, managed properly. ESG can help filter long-term risks to improve investment returns. Then there's ESG disclosure and reporting requirements. Financial institutions, and especially those who manage and advise on investments, uh, are subject to um, an increasing number of um, public and pre-contractual disclosure requirements around their approach to ESG. Then there are the corporate governance aspects relating to sustainability. Those financial institutions that are also public companies uh, should consider how their public statements about ESG priorities align with their approach to managing sustainable investment strategies. They may choose to disclose against TCFD recommendations that cover an organization's governance, their strategy or potential climate-related impacts and risk management together with metrics and targets to assess and manage risks and opportunities. 
And uh, as for the impact on products, obviously financial institutions face increasing commercial and competitive pressure to prefer sustainable lending and investments. Um, studies show, for instance, that the number of asset managers allocating a substantial share of their portfolios to sustainable investments is rising rapidly. For their part, banks and insurers are similarly under pressure to avoid financing carbon-heavy industries in preference to sustainable lending and investment. In addition, it's fair to say that until recently, private equity had trailed other sectors in terms of taking into account ESG matters when allocating capital. However, uh, this is also now um, changing and is becoming a key requirement of many limited partners. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to see the changing attitudes towards ESG in the past few years, and particularly how now you actually do see more and more FIs embracing opportunities in the space as they see more and more of the competitors actually focus on the area as well. Now, Jen, given what we are seeing and the impact that we expect, what do you think is the likely exposure for financial institutions in terms of enforcement and litigation? ESG matters will undoubtedly increase regulatory scrutiny on financial institutions in the form of enforcement and litigation risk. In some quarters, ESG has even been described as the number one enforcement and litigation risk. This comes from a combination of the high priority now placed on ESG by the regulators, and secondly, its potentially wide impact across most activities in almost every sector of the economy. There's potential liability where ESG statements are inconsistent with business practices. For example, in the case of of public companies, um, we have a lot of concern around the lack of potential alignment between ESG statements contained in disclosures, corporate communications, marketing materials on the one hand, and the actual business practices of the companies. This is an area that lends itself to sort of broad aspirational statements um, around sustainability, but those statements should be grounded in actual practices. The SEC in the United States, for example, has indicated that it will focus on identifying material gaps, misstatements, or omissions in public company disclosure relating to climate risk. The other areas um, of focus or potential liability include inaccurate disclosure for asset managers relating to the consideration of ESG factors in the investment management process. Um, inappropriate sales practices by either asset managers or financial intermediaries or broker-dealers relating to ESG investments, including deceptive greenwashing, which exaggerates the ESG qualities of an investment. And then finally, financial intermediaries are facing claims that ESG-related investments are not suitable or that they didn't conduct appropriate due diligence on the investments that they promote and sell. While legislatures are deliberating on draft laws and regulators are are considering new disclosure and reporting obligations, um, enforcement divisions and litigators already have significant remedies to address these risks. Um, For example, both the SEC examination and enforcement staff have announced initiatives designed to focus on ESG and climate change. In the United States, 
the SEC's existing rules and legal duties already allow action to be taken, for example, in the event of inaccurate disclosure or misleading advertising or inappropriate sales practices. And so the SEC can take action without the need to wait for new rulemaking that is specific to ESG. Um, besides the regulators, I believe, especially in Europe, there's an increasing incidence of legal action brought by non-governmental organizations. Uh, so even we have a question for you next. Among the main challenges for financial institutions is deciding what, what exactly is green. Could you talk us through this and perhaps update us, especially those of us listening from outside the EU, on the progress over the EU taxonomy, which is in the vanguard on classifying the environmental impact of economic activity? Sure. Clearly, the lack of common, consistent international standards over disclosure and classification is a major hurdle. Uh, in May this year, the European Banking Authority published the results of an EU-wide pilot exercise on climate risks, concluding that a more harmonized approach and common metrics were urgently needed. If we step back for a moment to have a look at major harmonization initiatives, um, at a high level, there's the 2005 uh, UN-backed Principles for Responsible Investment, specifically for institutional investors, which has over 3,000 signatories committed to incorporating them into their investment decision-making process and to promoting disclosure. And in 2015, the same year as the Paris Agreement, uh, the Financial Stability Board established the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, TCFD, to provide a principles-based framework for investments on climate-related risks that businesses face and how they are managing them. Under the TCFD, signatories use a variety of sometimes overlapping industry standards to achieve practical and detailed implementation. There are many of these industry standards, but of special note are those issued by the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board uh, and uh, the GRI, a global reporting initiative. Um, there's some good news on, on, on this. It's that last month, recognizing the need for more consistent global standards, SASB and uh, the International Integrated Reporting Council merged to form the Value Reporting Foundation. Additionally, we're, we're seeing, seeing a move to make voluntary standards uh, such as the TCFD mandatory, for example, for listed companies in the UK and Hong Kong. And uh, there are also harmonization initiatives, such as the proposal for a new global sustainability standards board to coordinate and promote standardization. Um, to this end, at a global level, the Financial Stability Board has just published a roadmap to address climate-related financial risks, prepared in consultation with standard-setting bodies that uh, supports and seeks to promote international coordination. For example, on forum-level disclosures, data, regulatory and supervisory practices and, and tools. So there's a lot going on in this space. In, in the EU, more specifically, um, there's uh, the EU Sustainable Finance Action Plan uh, dating back to, to March 2018. Um, and the European Union is really pursuing a very wide-ranging and, and prescriptive approach. And the taxonomy is at the center of this uh, action plan. 
the key elements of the action plan for financial institutions are amendments to investment and insurance sector legislation to require investment firms and insurance distributors to include ESG considerations in their advice to clients, as well as obtaining their preferences. A disclosure regulation, SFDR, to require institutional investors and asset managers that manage money or advise on investments to disclose how they integrate ESG factors into their risk processes and how their investments affect ESG factors. And at the center of the action plan, a taxonomy that uh, seeks to define what environmentally sustainable economic activities are. The taxonomy will apply to all who offer financial products in the EU. That is not only businesses based in the EU, but also those in third countries. Now, other countries are developing taxonomies, but the EU's is uh, probably the most advanced. And we therefore already see many investors from outside the EU looking at the EU taxonomy because it is the most developed. Um, the basic principle of the taxonomy is pretty straightforward. There are six environmental objectives, climate change mitigation, climate change adaptation, biodiversity, pollution prevention, protection of water, marine resources, and circular economy. In order to be taxonomy aligned, an activity must substantially contribute to one of these goals and not do significant harm to any of the other. In addition, the EU taxonomy defines minimum social safeguards, so even the most environmentally friendly activity cannot be taxonomy aligned if it's not carried out in line with minimum social safeguards. The detailed technical evaluation criteria have been developed for the two goals, climate change mitigation and climate change adaptation. The ones for the remaining four environmental goals are expected to be published end of July. Now, closely linked to um, the SFDR and, and the taxonomy is the non-financial reporting directive, which is now going to be upgraded uh, to become a corporate sustainability reporting directive requiring corporates to disclose on ESG matters. And this provides sort of the bridge to the TCFD framework. And very importantly, for the first time, there will be limited assurances, sort of form of audit requirement for sustainability information. Now, while in principle, this sounds straightforward at a high level, um, developing the detailed rules is proving far from easy. Most importantly, there are still questions around the taxonomy alignment of agriculture, nuclear energy, and a possible transition for fossil gas. Um, these questions have again been postponed. And this incomplete nature of the regime and a disjointed timetable are complicating uh, the rollout. Uh, but there is tremendous political backing behind uh, the European Green Deal and the EU taxonomy forming um, sort of the basis for this, uh, for this Green Deal. So progress is being made. Um, in fact, the EU Commission has just published on July 6 a new updated sustainable finance strategy that builds on the current action plan and seeks to up the momentum. It has also adopted, for example, a European Green Bond Standard proposal which looks to create a high-quality voluntary standard for bonds financing sustainable investment. Now, in terms of uh, how are requirements going to work internationally, 
The EU argues that global and EU-specific standards are not contradictory, but potentially complementary, and it favors modular international standards which build on TCFD and EU requirements while recognizing that countries are at different stages of progress rather than introducing common minimum standards. So we will see how this develops and clearly something to watch out in, in the next coming years. Jen, we heard that Europe is ahead in terms of regulation, but what's happening now in the US under the Biden administration? I assume we'll see plenty of enforcement action and litigation for greenwashing, but will we see new rules and standards? Yes, I'm, I think we will. I mean, from a global perspective, the U.S. has been largely absent from ESG-specific rulemaking. Um, and in fact, the rulemaking um, under Trump era, the Trump era U.S. Department of Labor was actually antagonistic to sustainability principles. Um, however, under the Biden administration, the U.S. has rejoined the Paris Agreement, and there are new executive orders requiring regulators to act in alignment with the president's policy toward climate change. Um, and certainly we have seen this impact the SEC's view and approach towards ESG. In February of this year, just after the change of administration, we began to see the SEC take a far more active approach to engaging around ESG principles. Um, at this point, the SEC has requested public com comment on um, public company disclosures relating to climate change. And recent statements by Gary Gensler, who's the chair of the SEC, reflect the fact that the staff is actively considering rulemaking around mandatory company disclosures on climate risk and human capital, and is also evaluating the way that uh, funds, investment funds, market themselves to investors as sustainable, green, or ESG friendly, and what factors actually support those claims. The exact scope of the SEC's rulemaking efforts remains to be seen, um, but as you referenced, I do expect that the U.S. will generally take a less prescriptive and more enforcement-driven approach. Thanks so much for that. So now perhaps if you could talk about exposure to social and governance in the ESG. Perhaps if I could ask you, Eva Maria, to address this, that S&G have you know, gradually become more important for financial institutions given recent well-known episodes of non-financial misconduct. And they're also receiving a boost from COVID-19. Do you think you could say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so on, on the social and governance side of, of ESG, um, for example, diversity and inclusivity of financial institutions have become important for regulators. For example, more diverse boards and executives, as well as safe cultures that enable employees to bring their whole selves to work. Um, this touches not only on the fitness and proprietary of the organizations and individuals within them, but their readiness and ability to comply with regulatory expectations. Um, and diversity and inclusiveness are seen as characteristics of healthy cultures, reducing the potential for harm to consumers and, and markets. So financial institutions should expect their supervisors to ask more data on these topics and, and probe them further in future um, on the progress. 
Um, of course, a major challenge is how complex it can be to capture the S in ESG. It's much more difficult to define and quantify than many um, ENG factors. Um, maybe in, in this context, it's uh, important to note that uh, at the EU level, the EU taxonomy that we discussed previously is currently only focusing on the environmental um, side of ESG, so only on the E. Uh, but the Commission has announced that they will start looking uh, into developing a, a social taxonomy as well. Uh, will be interesting <clears throat> to see, but obviously a very uh, a very challenging question as well. Besides sustainability, the other ma major mega trend of our time is digitization. Um, Jen, can financial institutions look to new technology to overcome some of the challenges posed by ESG? AI can certainly help to make sense of unstructured and incompatible data sets, um, allowing asset managers to review and score for ESG risk and just more generally digest the broad amount of data that's available. Um, and certainly asset managers rely extensively on technology to manage their investment strategies today. So the concept of technology and AI is not new. Um, but the flip side of reliance on technology is that the regulators are also using that as a tool to monitor and to review ESG disclosures. Um, and we're all becoming more familiar with the concept of data-driven enforcement, where the SEC or other regulators can um, essentially identify anomalies in data um, and, and use that as a basis to review, examine, or potentially bring investigations uh, relating to activities that they're seeing or disclosures um, that, they, that are being filed with uh, the regulatory agency. Okay, great. Thank you so much um, for, for sharing your insights with us. These really give us a great perspective on sustainability issues for financial institutions. Thank you very much, Jen and Eva Maria, for joining us today. And thank you so much to our listeners. If you have found this podcast helpful, you may be interested to know that there are briefings on sustainability and increasing regulatory scrutiny of financial institutions published on bakermckenzie.com as part of our Financial Institutions Finding Balance series. My name is Yingyi Liu and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us for the next episode of Insight.